0: you do have your Bible, open it to Matthew's chapter 16. If you have a paper Bible, we'll sub you right with me. If it glows in the dark, I still love you. We're doing this together. If you don't have any of those, uh, we got them right here. Cool. Matthew chapter 16. I'm gonna read it with you guys actually. Close the Bible for today, right? When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, somebody say Caesarea Philippi first step to being a rapper just rhyme that's it. Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples why or who do people say that the son of man is he's referring to himself. Before we kind of move on I want to paint this picture for you so you can understand it. Caesarea Philippi was a very pagan area you don't know what pagan means it's okay I'm going to teach you right now. Pagan area very basically means um they did a lot of witchcraft and a lot of nasty things and there was so much blood and and all that stuff a little picture as to what they would do they would have uh Yeah, we're we're all young adults here. They would have sexual intercourse with animals. They would kill people that they hated and put their heads on sticks in front of their households to keep themselves safe from from different spirits. They would do all these nasty things. They would slaughter their brothers and their sisters, sometimes even their children at sacrifices because that's what they believed. And we find Jesus in here. This, this area, uh, if you go all the way down to Cesarea Philippi, there's, like, tourists that will take you here. It's pretty cool, right? It's this little garden, and it's a long hallway. And in that hallway, it's, like, a beautiful, like, Caesar-looking palace and all that stuff. There's trees everywhere. And alongside the hallway, there's a whole bunch of statues. And there's, like, a, a small semicircle with even more statues. And these are all statues of gods that they worshipped at the time in Cesarea Philippi. And here we see Jesus, small dude compared to all these statues. I'm jesus you're the disciples just because i have the mic just understand it he looks at his disciples he says who does everybody say that i am and so they continue and they say some say you're john the baptist some say you're elijah others say you're jeremiah or one of the other prophets those are just famous people in the bible that every person knew at the time we continue on then he asked them this but who do you say that i am? and this is my favorite guy, like the 12 disciples, he's the crazy one. He's the one that's like, always getting in trouble. Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Favorite part, check this out. Focus on this. If you missed everything, listen to this. Now I say to you, this is what Jesus says, now I say to you, Peter, which means rock, Upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer. Come on, bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me as we get into this word. Ooh, God, you are so good. You're so good. I love you, Jesus. I would not be here if it wasn't for you. So, God, I want to pray that in these next couple of moments, I don't talk about myself, God. I just talk about how good you are. I pray that in these next moments, God, nobody may may see me, God, but when they listen to the words that I say and when they listen to the way that I walk, God, they may just focus on how good you are, how beautiful you've been, God. Right now, I want to lessen myself, God, like we just sang a couple of minutes ago, God, less of me, God, so that more of you, God, I pray that every word that I say may fall to the earth and die never to be heard again, but whatever word that you speak through me, God may pierce the hearts of your people. May may, may convict us, God, and not condemn us to become better people than we were yesterday, God. We believe in you, and right now we break down these walls and we open our hearts to receive your word. And everybody says, amen, amen. Amen. You ever sent like a text message and like the person that received the message, it just like went south. Like you just said something that it wasn't really meant to be like wrong, but when the person received it, like it was just so wrong. Like you ever spoke to your mom and you said something kind of like monotone and she took it as attitude and she was like, Yeah, tough. I know, it's frustrating. I was about 12 years old, maybe even eight. I don't remember too much about this story, uh, but I kind of remember, right? It's a big gap. Forget about it. I was young, middle school, elementary, around there. Uh, My mom, she was doing compra. For those that don't know what compra is, that's a Hispanic word for groceries right she was she was uh she bought the groceries she brought it to the house I ran to the car only to see if there was anything cool for me anyways there wasn't everything was inside the house I ran into the kitchen I see Walmart's brown bags back when they had it and I just heard heaven open up wow this just came out of nowhere so cool heaven opened up I see the bags I can hear my mom dropping the bags on the counter like and I look at all the groceries it looked like heaven it looked like I entered the promised land and I see the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in the world you know that that one bag that they always have in the back of sugar donuts but the assorted kind oh somebody you just put your heads back like you just received god at that moment oh my i saw these sugar donuts and my mom was unpacking the groceries and then i didn't even bother to say hi mom or anything because all the food was about to go in my stomach next to these sugar donuts i see my mom pull out of the brown walmart bag A giant brand new gallon of milk. And I was like, oh, that's it. Avatar showing Saturday morning. I'm eating all these donuts, drinking all this milk tonight and all the way till tomorrow. So I go and I'm excited. I'm the type of person that when I'm in the drive-thru, I start singing. My parents tell me this all the time. I never catch myself until they say it. I'm the type of person that when food is getting cooked up, I'm like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, what a beautiful name. Like All this stuff. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be so good. So I run to the donuts, I don't care about anybody in my household, I pick up the donuts, have my little Simba ritual moment with it, I look at the donuts, again, I get excited when I'm hungry, so I start talking. So I decide, you know what, I'm just going to read the entire box before I eat it. So I'm like reading the, I'm reading the name, like Menchies or like some weird name like that, right? I'm looking at the bottom, expiration date, I'm looking at the side, calorie intake, I don't care about it, I'm going to eat it all. And then in the bottom of where the calories are, at, it has like a description or a motto of the, of the company, super long so I'm not going to say it all cuz I don't know it all but I remember this one part you understand why it said super sugary or like very sugary and very sweet so I'm I'm excited so obviously I read this out loud instead of saying super sugary super sweet I say super sugary super sheet sheet like a sheet of paper my mom is Puerto Rican so you can understand that sheets and mm, kind of sound the same so she's thinking that I'm saying this and she looks at me she goes que tu dijiste Mom, don't worry about it. I'm so confident that I read it correctly. So I'm looking for the word sugary and sheet. All I see is sugary, but I can't find sheet. And now my mom is like, oh, you just want to curse because you think it's cool because you're in middle school. She's thinking I'm going through that phase where I just want to curse all the time. No, I just want some donuts, Mom. (laughs) Out of nowhere, I'm looking for the word sheet. can't find it. The donuts fly out of my hand because a hand comes straight up to the bottom of my face. My mom smacked me so hard that I was unconscious for seven days straight. I came back to life. I see the donuts all over the floor. I grab the bag. I I am pressured to look for the word that I said. I can't find it. And I'm traumatized because I'm talking about this 10 to 12 years later to a group of young adults. This moment has stayed in my head for a long time. Sometimes I laugh at it. Sometimes I enter depression because of it. It's just two different worlds. But this only happened because my mom misunderstood a word that I meant to say. You see, my, my fear is that in this message, when Jesus is saying what he's saying, you are misunderstanding the words that he's saying. And so I kind of want to go into a little bit of a deeper note on what he's saying, because if you miss what he's saying, it might set the wrong foundation for the rest of your Christian life. That's why it's so important that when you read your Bible, you take your time. So many people want to do their five-minute devotionals in five minutes. And so they rush through five chapters in five minutes, and they receive nothing. They learn nothing. Sometimes when they do receive something, it's probably the wrong thing because you read it too fast. So next time you read your Bible, do yourself a favor for your heart, for your life, for your relationship with Jesus, and just take your time. And so I want to go with what Jesus said. Um, He says this. Oh, you can go ahead and throw it up. Boom, three, two, one. Church. Church. See, Jesus says, Peter, da-da-da, this and that, they have the conversation. Peter says, yeah, you're the son. And he says, great job, Peter. You're blessed because God said it and not human. And then after this, he says, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. You see, the New Testament of the Bible, which is kind of like a little bit more after the second half, was written in this language called Greek. And so when we read this, we kind of want to look for the Greek translation to get a more just physical and more beautiful picture as to what Jesus is actually saying. And church was actually a frequent word at the time because church did not mean a building or anything like that. What church meant was iglesia, how we get the word iglesia. If you're Hispanic, you know what I'm talking about. And what that word iglesia means is a group of people or a congregation. You see, man, So many people come to church and they're bored because they think that church is just about the building. But if we're looking at the original translation of what church actually means, when Jesus, the one who created the church, says it, he's not talking about a building that we're in with lights, with cameras, with fans, with all these walls that are blue. didn't even notice that. He's talking about a group of people. You see, Jesus did not come to make buildings. He came to bring people together. Jesus is all about bringing people together. I want to highlight the people that Jesus brought together. We see Matthew, who is a tax collector. Somebody say tax collector. All right, one hand. Tax collector. There we go. Front row. I love you guys. He's a tax collector. Tax collectors, they worked for Rome. Who did they work for? Tax collectors would work for Rome. If Rome said, hey, we need 10% of everything you made this month, a tax collector would come to your house and be like, hey, I need 15% of everything you made this month. They would take the 5% for themselves give the 10 to rome because they worked for rome in order to make their pockets big so everybody knew a tax collector as a stealer that worked for who for rome Rome. Uh, there's another disciple we had 12 of them two of them i believe were levites if you don't know what a levite is a levite was a very passionate person at that time people considered levites terrorists from how crazy their actions were what a levite's focus and priority was was to kill all the romans that's why when Levites were looking for Jesus to come in, the big Messiah, he was wait, they were waiting for Jesus to be the one to throw over the Romans and push them to the side. So there was a Levite in the group who hated Romans, but then we have Matthew here who worked for the Romans. Okay, let me paint you a picture in our times, right? Levites, Romans, I don't care about them. This is like saying we're going to wait the entire football season to end to get to the Super Bowl where the Patriots and whoever Broncos are playing. I'm just going to put some names up there. Don't judge me if you know more than me. Wait till they get to the Super Bowl. And then when it finally gets time to get to the Super Bowl, they're helping each other win. No? Okay. Let's see. We're, going, we're in the playoffs, right? We're in the final season. We're waiting for the last two teams, East and the West, to get together. Let's say that those two teams finally get to the East and West, and their coach looks at their players, the star players. He says, listen, I don't want to win the finals. I want you to help the other team win the finals that just broke the NBA, that breaks the NFL, that breaks any sense of competition when the point of the competition is to help the other team win. Can I let you know that Jesus brings people together that were meant to kill each other and he actually leads them to love each other. You hate somebody in church? Give it a couple months. They might be your best friend. (laughs) You think that person's really annoying? Give it a couple months. They might be your best man at your wedding. They might be your wife. What? (laughs) Might be crazy. Oh, she's so annoying. She's always loud and singing in worship. What a beautiful name. My name is beautiful, whatever. Like, shut up. Three three years later, I (laughs) do. That's what Jesus is all about. He's about bringing people together. And I love that the first example of the people he brings together are people that hate each other. You see, Jesus came here to establish a church, but the church is not a building. It's a body of people. And it's okay for those people to hate each other at first because when Jesus is in the middle of it all, anything works for what he wants. See, but the church is not meant to just be a body of people that get together and listen to a small guy preach. See, the church is actually meant to change the world. See, Jesus only established this thing, and he did all these things for the church so that the church could reflect what Jesus did onto the earth. So if Jesus died for the church, then we should die for the world. If Jesus was open enough to invite anybody to the church, then we should be open enough to invite anybody from the world into our church. See In, in verse 15, I love this part, I love this part. In verse 15, if you can throw it up, Jesus asked them, after he said, who do they say I am? He says, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? After this, he blesses Peter saying he's going to build his church. You know what's so beautiful about this story? That before Jesus could say he was going to build the church, he asked them who he was. Why? Because before the church can be built, it has to know its maker. See, it, it frustrates me when I see Christians saying that they're Christians, but they're not reading the Bible that they believe in. It frustrates me because they say, yes, I'm a Christian. I go to church on a Wednesday or on a Friday if you're in Kissimmee, and I go to church on a Sunday, whatever time, both services, I'm there. But when it's time for you to go home, you're not reading the word that you believe in. And you're saying God is good, and you're saying he's working all things together for my good, and you're saying that when there is no way, God's going to make a way, and it's all beautiful, but you've never had that moment for yourself. You're just expressing what a preacher says. Before God can build a church on you, because it's not about the building, it's about you. And before God can build a church on you, you have to acknowledge who God is. I was, uh, it was like, what, a year ago? Yeah, last year, I was with a group of friends in my driveway. Three in the morning, I think it was. And so we're just hanging out, we're talking. And out of nowhere, a big old truck just drives into my neighborhood, and like, it has like a vacuum on the back of it. Like a, like this looks like some scary like Stranger Things type stuff, right? And he like shoots like these chemicals into the air. It was like a yellow powder. In my neighborhood, I breathe this air, and this truck is at 3 in the morning. All my friends are looking at it, and I'm like, whoa, what the heck is going on? There's a truck blowing random chemicals in the air of the area that I live in. So we're all scared. My brain starts moving like it does when I'm scared. And I I say out loud, what if that truck is in this neighborhood sent by the government, trust me, let me go, sent by the government to blow different chemicals in the air to make us all sick so that we have to go to the hospital and give Florida or the United States money because they need money from us so they're trying to get us sick on purpose. A lot of my friends looked at me like, yo, you dumb, bro, you really dumb, (laughs) for real, (laughs) but I had this one friend, I love her to death, she's awesome, all of them were looking at me, Dennis, shut up, like, dude, you just graduated, shut up, like, whatever, but she looks at me in the eyes, she goes, whoa, I'm expecting total judgment at this moment, and she continues, and she proceeds to say these words, whoa, Dennis, you're so woke, (laughs) let's go, I was hype. At that moment, I felt like I could walk on water. I felt like I could look at a watermelon and it would explode. Like, it was crazy what I felt like I could do because someone said, whoa, you're so woke. The whole world looked at me like I was dumb. But that one person said, whoa so woke exploding watermelons everywhere firecrackers on my feet i'm flying and there's fire coming out of the bottom of my feet it's crazy and we find jesus in this moment he says who do you say that i am and peter says oh, I, I, you're you're the lord you're the son of the living god and jesus responds you won't peter Who who do you guys say, who does everybody say I am? Well, they say you're this person, you're that person. Now the importance of who do you say I am? You're the the son of the living God, like you got it. And he's like, yo, you're so woke. And because you understand who I am, I'm going to build my church on you. Can I let you know that it's not just saying we're going to come to church. It's actually knowing the maker that will make this thing work. God wants to do something in your life. But you got to understand who God is before he can begin a good work in you. That's why we always push say yes to Jesus because nothing will happen until you say yes to Jesus, until you acknowledge him as Lord over your life. Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. It's only through him. It will only be Jesus and it will always be Jesus. But we got to acknowledge who he is before he begins to work in us. See, I, I heard a preacher say this one time and it kind of changed my life. Says so either either God is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Either you give God everything that you have or you're really giving God nothing. Either you allow God to be in charge of everything that is inside of you and in front of you or honestly, you're not really letting God be in charge of anything at all. It's kind of sad that People are like, yeah, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. They cry at this altar. They have this amazing moment. God, I'm going to give you the rest of my life. But then two weeks later, they're like, you know what? Don't touch my finances, God. (laughs) I'll give you everything else, not my back pocket or side pocket, wherever you eat your wallet. Yo, God, yo, this thing was so good. I'm going to give you everything. But my my girlfriend, don't touch him. my, My boyfriend, don't touch him. I will cut you, Jesus. Not my boyfriend. <laughs> God, I'm, I'm going to give you everything, but, but, but my bad habits, you know what? I don't even want to focus on them. It's going to be too uncomfortable for me to kind of take those out of my life. So, God, I'll just give you my heart, but, but I won't give you everything inside of my heart. But then you come here and you're saying, God, fill me up and allow me to overflow, but you don't want God to take anything out of the cup that's being overflowed. Yo, God, fill up everything inside of me. If God is going to fill up everything inside of you with him, something's got to come out. Yo, God, I, I, I want the fire. Everybody says that word in church. I want the fire, whatever that means. But ain't nobody want to feel the heat. Hey, yo, yo, God, I want, you, I want you to drown me in your presence, whatever that means. But you're not willing to hold your breath. God, come on, come on, give me everything you got. You sure? God, is pretty big. <laughs> Give me everything you got. I want it all. I want you to overflow. You say all these things, and it sounds good, and it sounds pretty, and it sounds amazing, and it's all hype. But the moment he tries to pour inside of you, you kind of cover the top. See, either God takes control of everything, or you're not giving him nothing at all. See, something I learned about this Christian thing very quickly was that God will take charge of the church, which is people, When we decide to become uncomfortable, so many people want, God, do all these amazing things, but don't move anything at all. God, change my life. Wait, but don't touch these pieces. These are really important to me. God, I want you to blow wind all over my household. I want you to change my household. Just don't change the people inside of it. I want you to change my heart. Just don't change me. I want you to change my circumstance. Just just don't fix me. Mm -mm, It's going to hurt too much. It's going to be too weird. This thing is supposed to cause discomfort. It's supposed to be weird sometimes. You think me screaming up here is cool? Nah, it's uncomfortable. You think me raising my hands and and saying hallelujah, sometimes saying words I don't even know is cool? No, it's really uncomfortable. But I know the blessing and the discomfort. I know that in order for me to receive the comforter that we call God, I got to be able to be uncomfortable. And Jesus is your comforter. Jesus will comfort you in the times you need to. But I, I, it frustrates me when people say, God, I need the comforter, but I'm not willing to get uncomfortable. I, I need the Savior, but I'm not willing to admit of my sin. See, you will never experience the God that provides if you're not giving him space to provide. You will never experience the God that can do wonders and move and change everything if you're not willing to give him everything. Come on, sweetheart. Give him some space. Why don't we become the church that allows God to be God? There's a song that changed my life. It said, you've been God a long time. I've only been alive 18 years. And God has been God way longer than 18 years. Come on, you've only been alive 24 years. You've only been alive 17, 19, 25 years. Come on, God has been alive longer than all of us combined. I think he knows what he's doing think it's okay to get uncomfortable. If we're willing to live a life where we believe that the church is founded by the Father, then we have to have a faith with no borders. How do you know your faith has no borders? When you love getting uncomfortable. When you you desperately desire discomfort, because you know that when you meet discomfort, you're actually meeting Jesus. I was, uh, speaking of NBI days, don't put that up yet, speaking of NBI days and and New Birth Internship, I was in a program like that uh, last year, like John mentioned. And the only reason I'm speaking to you today, the only reason I'm sharing my heart and what God wants for your life today, the only reason that you can be impacted by what this all is, is because I made a decision to get uncomfortable. You don't know the lives you're about to change because you decided to get uncomfortable. And so I went to this program day one, first day of the program. I walk in they send me to this room a whole bunch of people there's like 50 60 students in this room I'm a senior I'm a senior in high school yeah at that moment 60 students and they start calling people by name Jimmy start noticing that they're calling everybody by name in the that's closest to the door. So I move from the back of the room, because I'm nervous, to the front door, because I want to get out that room. I come to the front, like right next to the door. Then the lady switches it up on me. I get mad. She calls everybody from the back of the room. Hold up, girl. Going to the back of the room. Call my name. Once I get to the back of the room, she calls again from the front of the room. I'm like, you know what? I give up. I'm going to stay here. I sit down. There's like five of us in that room. I'm one of the last people to come out. They say, Dennis Rivera, come here alright let's go I'm at the room everybody's on the other side whatever I'm at the room they take me through this long hallway through this door when I enter the room it's a giant room like this imagine with me there are three lamps to the left there is from the lamp to the other side of the room there's a long string and at the end of the rope for the tug-of-war rope there's a there's a there's a towel behind the towel there's a giant guy girl comes in her name is Eva I love Eva she goes hey my name is Eva what's your name my name is Dennis Dennis um this is gonna be weird but what's just something that you're struggling with something that kind of just beats at your heart and kind of gets you mad I tell her all these things we're in church right open to her so I, she she leads me to the towel she puts the towel around my waist she puts the rope around my waist it's like a fat rope like this she says hey if it hurts too much just let me know just like that what I did not sign up for this This is not okay, Eva. If that is your real name, she says. All you have to do is get to the light. Who? What's up? It's me. Working out. Been playing basketball for months. I'm ready for that. My legs are in good shape. Hold on. My boy right here is gonna hold you. Some short dude. He was. He was huge. Okay. Fine she wraps it around me, he holds me tight, I start walking, he's like, he's just standing there, this is easy, out of nowhere, I feel a big tug, whoop, all the way back to the beginning, hold up, bro, don't touch me like that, you're trying to hurt me, I'm not feeling that, I just got to get to the light, bro, Eva said it, listen to Eva, she's letting me go, I'm going, I'm trying to get him by surprise this time, so I'm walking a little bit, I sprint, boom, he just pulls me back, oh, snap, shake my shoulders I was a basketball player so I got in my defensive position that's what we do if you don't know basketball just listen to me I start sliding putting my legs in tip-top critical condition I'm working out I'm going 3.5 miles per hour not really but I'm just going and I'm going and I'm going and out of nowhere Eva and two other girls they storm where I'm at and they start yelling at me you're good for nothing God doesn't want you anymore you're a waste of time look at every mistake you've made and I'm like whoa 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 what the heck is going on in church I get mad. I get so mad. I'm running back and forth. He keeps pulling me out of nowhere. As I run, I fall to the ground and I have the craziest experience of my life. The whole room became black to me. I just hear the girls' voices. They multiply to a thousand voices telling me I wasn't good enough, telling me I was worth nothing, telling me I was broken, telling me I was lost and I would never find my way. And out of nowhere, all I could just think about saying was Jesus. I was tired, I was sweating. I didn't know where I was at. It was so frustrating. There was a rope on me. There was people yelling at me every mistake I made and all I could see was Jesus. I said it about four times. I stood up, got back in my position. I continued to work and saying the name of Jesus and they kept yelling at me. They had to get two guys to pull me back and so they pulled me back and I just said Jesus and I whispered it so nobody could hear me because I was afraid. I was so close to the light swing and like feel the wind just bounce back at me. I made a strong leap I grabbed onto the light when I touched it I fell to the earth and I and I just oh, fell to the earth and died so dramatic I fell to the earth and I was just so tired and I remember myself telling God God if the life without you is like that I promise to chase after the light with everything I've got every single day of my life because I don't want to live like that no more I promise God that wherever your light is I will chase after it if you want to build a church on me God I'm gonna chase after the light I'm gonna get uncomfortable it's gonna it's going to be difficult but god if you're at the end i promise i'll give you everything i've got and so church i challenge you to get uncomfortable it'll be the weirdest experience you've ever had but it'll be the best thing to happen I promise you I would not be here loving on you the way that I am right now. I believe in you so much, but I would not be here believing in you if I wasn't willing to get uncomfortable. You're going to change the world because that's exactly what God wants from the church. But if God is going to do something in you, you got to be willing to get uncomfortable. you got to. There's no more coming to church and then going to sleep. Come on, from now on, it's rise and grind. God, I'll give you my mornings. God, I'll give you my nights. God, I'll give you my days. Whatever it is, because I want to get to the light. Come on, bow your heads and close your eyes all over this room. Come on, right now, I believe God is just speaking all over. And I'm afraid that somebody in here is inspired to make the church, but you don't know the maker. So right now, I want to present to you an opportunity. I'm just going to count to three. And whenever I say three, I want you to raise your hand if you want to dedicate the rest of your life to Jesus. Come on, because he's always in charge. It'll always be Jesus. It'll only be Jesus. It might be awkward. It might be weird. Can I let you know? Awkward is so awesome. As long as it leads to Jesus. Come on, so at the count of three, wherever you are. If you're looking for a sign, come on, this is your sign. If you feel it in your heart, come on, that is the Holy Spirit. He wants more of you, and he's loving on you right now. At the count of three, anyone in this room, just raise your hand if you want to give the rest of your life to being uncomfortable for Jesus. Come on, one, two, three, wherever you are. Come on, I see one hand, two hands, three hands, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Come on, ten. So good. So good. It's so good.